Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hey, everybody, this is CJ Graham, Jason Voorhees, Friday the 13th, Part 6, and you're listening to Canned Aired Podcast. And welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm clearly audible Jack Doherty. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. That's what we've always called Jack when uh, the mics aren't hot. The clearly audible Jack Doherty. <laughs> or something along those lines. <laughs> Close but way off. And returning to the show this week, good friend of the show who we've had on in the past to talk about comics such as The Red Wave, Lone Tales, The Snow Universe, and more. He's half of the Consistently Okay podcast, and he's here today to talk about a new comic that's on Kickstarter until November 2nd, Sussex, Chapter 1, which is a psychological thriller that explores mental health through the lens of a spy. We welcome writer and podcaster Nick Goode back to the show. Nick, thank you so much for being here, man. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me again. Thanks so much. Very excited. It's been a little while since you've been here, hasn't it? Yeah, possibly the red wave, maybe, I think. Yeah. That's been, what, yeah. about what, a year or two ago, something like that? Yeah, I think it was last year. Um, okay. Yeah. Time Crazy. flies, man. Well, let's know. catch up here today. Uh, in our retro roundtable, we're going to be going around talking about secret organizations from throughout pop culture, which I've got a few good picks. What about you guys? I think I got some good ones. I'm excited. I'm excited. This is something we haven't done before. And then after that, we're going to be turning our attention over to Nick to talk more about Sussex. But before we do anything, don't forget to find us on Twitter or X. I hate calling it that, but it's what it is at canned underscore air or no, at canned air pod and on Instagram at canned underscore air. And you can find us on TikTok at canned air podcast and at canned There's a few different ways you can show your support. There's a merch tab, get you T-shirts, beanies, hoodies, jackets, all that kind of stuff with the weather changing. Let Candare warm you people. And if you're just in the uh, mood to get extra content, stuff that uh, the average Joe isn't getting, then head over to our Patreon, where for 5 to $10 a month gets you access to a catalog we've been building three to four years anyway, right? Yeah, at least four. At least. So lots of uh, content over there. Definitely worth your money. 
Uh, Randy, what am I forgetting? Big shout out to evergreenpodcast.com, the uh, network we are so proud to be a part of. And uh, mm-hmm. if you're local to the Columbus area or don't mind driving our way, uh, come see us at the Tour Gaming Expo, uh, November t- uh, 11th and 12th at the uh, Columbus Fairgrounds. Yeah. If you're lucky, you might see me there. <laughs> if we're lucky. Or Jack Stoppelganger. I think you muted yourself, Jack. Your adapter's not working. It was nope. working, right? There we go. There you are. And there you go, I think. Say so. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so what Jack was saying is if you see a geriatric superhero running around during the event, it's most likely him. So, yeah, you I mean, he's going to stop in at the Candare table from time to time as well. I would hope he better <laughs> <laughs> just walks as- by and f- flips Jeremy and I <laughs> <laughs> can't hear you, man. How about now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man, this is going to be interesting. Let's kick it off with this <laughs> week's retro round table. <laughs> It's showtime. Got it, dude. Spend no expense. All right, Randy, kick us off, man. All right, so the uh, first one I have, and I'm sure you guys might have snuck this on one of your lists, but the Legion of Doom. Ooh. Anybody? Anybody? No? No? Cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I... Uh, was first introduced to him when I was watching, uh, when I was a wee lad watching, uh, Nickel or excuse me, Cartoon Network, the uh, reruns of the Super Friends. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have that big freaking motorcycle helmet popping out of the, the swamp. The... It always looked like <laughs> a, uh, like a squashed Vader helmet, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really looks like Stewie's helmet from, uh, their parody. <laughs> <laughs> Probably where they got the idea. But, but the, the Legion uh, of Doom, they weren't too concerned about secrecy, right? I mean, they, they were, or were they? I well, don't remember. I mean, it, it, the lair or whatever was under the swamp and just slowly kind of rose up That's and down. True. So That's true. Why hide yourself in a swamp if yeah, you're not looking for anonymity? Yeah. How about that, Jack? Are you, you there? Are you with us? <laughs> oh, Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to get no. your money back on that adapter, dude. <laughs> Uh, you sound like a McDonald's drive-thru. <laughs> Hello? Oh, really? There you okay. I, there we go. Okay. Now I'm here. Okay. Don't move. Move a muscle. <laughs> the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> like a statue. <laughs> All right. Anything else on Legion of Doom, Randy? Uh, I was just always surprised that the Joker wasn't a member of it as a kid. And um, I guess he just hasn't been at all. Maybe like a quick little uh, spot, but nobody wants to work with him, I guess, in the comics. So I mean, I can understand yeah. why. He seems like he'd be very difficult to work with. A little unpredictable. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> to mm. say the least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and sitting at that table, he'd definitely be the weakest one there. I mean, the only power he'd have up to all of them <laughs> is just his being psychotic right i mean and all his gags and stuff like hey smell my flower mm, <laughs> i don't know if he deserves a table a seat at that table no fair so, enough solomon grundy would squash him pretty quick <laughs> so he got some pants <laughs> solomon grundy want pants too <laughs> was oh, bizarro on the maybe here and there he'd be like the guest character for the the episode 
just trying to think of the intellectual conversations that Solomon Grundy and Bizarro had. <laughs> He's from the opposite world. He says goodbye <clears throat> when he says hello. <laughs> Was that a, a Seinfeld reference? Yeah. Okay. I thought so. <laughs> All right, Nick, how about you, sir? I had two. Um, and sticking with the Batman or DC World, uh, Court of Owls were pretty much oh, top of yeah. my list. Yeah. <clears throat> um, just because I remember reading that like first time and, and just being stunned. I was like, whoa. They they added like something new, like Snyder and Capullo that was didn't exist before it was just a whole new thing and it was it felt like it always been there that was the exactly. weirdest thing it was like oh weird like as if this didn't exist until i started reading this and that whole book's crazy as well the way like you turn the pages and stuff um and i think what it did is like it gives you a sense of just how ominous they were that they really did exist like in the shadows and secrecy of gotham and they'd sort of running things for years um so yeah so that they were my first thing when you said it i was like oh Court vowels straight away. That's like, a great pick. And I'd you, almost say that they were probably his strongest adversary too. I think. Yeah, for sure. Like that. That um, especially that first volume. It's like harrowing. Like when he's kind of losing his mind a little bit. There's mm-hmm. something about that we like. That's, yeah, that's rough. That's gnarly. You nailed Didn't... it on the head, though, with you know explaining it like it's something brand new, but this brand new thing they made it so it seemed like it had always just been there just silently i'm sorry randy didn't mean to cut you off no you're good i was just gonna ask didn't dc the animated uh universe just didn't they just put out like an animated movie with featuring the court of owls as like it's been a little bit but yeah it's out okay Mm -hmm. yeah i think think that's a cool thing as well they start to like seep into the wider sort of dc stuff like obviously they're in gotham knights the game they're in gotham the tv show as well i think i think yes oh okay yeah they were um so they've started to kind of like go out and stuff so yeah it's cool that they have now officially sort of cemented themselves within that world and they're um, so fucking creepy too because like wouldn't wouldn't he like brought before the court of owls and it's just a bunch of like uh socialites wearing owl masks like god how yeah, creepy creepy well their main head honcho talon too he's he's no one to mess with all right yeah so cool that's a good pick all right jack what about you sir mine is the Kingsman. Oh, that was right. like, you, you always okay. had James Bond in their secret, not secret service. Oh, I guess basically it's the secret service, the MI6. But then you have something that's even way below, which is the Kingsman, which is MI6, but, but to this level, I guess. And then, and then the Statesman, the 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 United States's version of it, which was just a bunch of cowboys making whiskey. America. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and Channing Tatum was on our side with that too. So that makes it even better. Did you ever yeah. see the uh third one, just the King's Man, like the prequel? No, no, I totally forgot about that one. I haven't either. I, I wonder if it's good. Is it any good? I quite enjoyed it for what it is. Yeah. The um Risa fans plays a version of Rasputin, which is magical. Like nice. it's he's so good. And uh and it's kind of hard not to enjoy that segment. Narratively, it's a little like up and down. Um, but yeah, just just for Risa fans as Rasputin, it's it's worth the watch. Like, yeah, it's uh, it was an enjoyable edition. And it's nice that that world sort of um, spanned over so many years as well. That they did something that was kind of set in the war, and then they moved on to 
you've got more modern day stuff with Kingsburn and the second one as well. So it was cool just to kind of see where everything started, I think. Did you like the what second a bad one? guy? <clears throat> Did I do sorry, which <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> uh, I, I just asked if you liked the uh, second Kingsman movie. I did, yeah. I didn't enjoy it as much as the the first, but I did enjoy right. the second one. Um, I think the first, there was something about it where it just hit almost at the right time. Oh, yeah. um, and then when you get to that church scene, it is just insane. Yes. Like, <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, I did enjoy the second one, but yeah, that, that first one was magic. Yeah, my my YouTube algorithms are all fucked up because I've watched that scene so many times. <laughs> it's just the only <laughs> thing it suggests to me anymore. But <laughs> the second one I just could not do because, you know, Colin Firth died in the first one, right? And then they just like out of nowhere, like, oh, you know what? He's not dead. Hmm. Here he is. He's fine. And then just the whole thing with uh what was it? Julianne Moore was the bad guy, and they were in that that compound yeah. way out in the middle of nowhere, and like somehow Elton John ended up. It just got yeah. all kinds of ridiculous by the end, and I was like, oh, nothing against Elton yeah. John, but I don't know if that's the place for him. But maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> he almost brought the movie back, watching <laughs> it with Elton John in the end. But I mean, it, it was excited to seeing, but then I thought, yeah. man, this is like this is not like the first one at all. This it is... kind of went way too long too. It almost yeah. seemed like it's, they didn't expect the first one to be as successful as it was. You know, they didn't expect a sequel, maybe. And they're like, oh, shit, what are we going to do? <laughs> we just killed off the main guy. Yeah. Uh, bring him back. It kind of felt like the second one was, like, there's that scene in the first one where, like, everybody's exploding as, like, the big kind of grand finale. Yeah. The second one felt like it was that for the whole film. It was, like, <laughs> just turned up 10 well. times everything more. It was, like, just going nuts. Yeah. It was okay though. I've I've seen many worse films, that's for sure. <laughs> Sequels, especially. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. That was uh that was Jack's pick? Yes. Okay. My pick is going to have to be from the movie, and I've only seen this within the past year, They Live, the John Car Carpenter's They Live. Oh I still yeah. have to see it. You haven't seen it? No. Oh yeah, it's good. But you know, in the beginning, you know, he comes to town looking to work like construction, I think, and he doesn't have any money anywhere to stay, and he's shacking up with that homeless uh, commune. And then across the streets, this little church, and there's always what appears to be people singing and worshiping all hours of the day, very loud. And it's like, what the fuck is going on over there? And when he starts to investigate it, when he goes into the church, there's just like a big recording. A big machine, like, you know, a recording of these people singing, blasting out, and you kind of, you can see that this is actually like a headquarters for people who are aware of the aliens and like the big boxes of glasses. At least that's the way I took it. Um, I don't think yeah. that organization ever had a name, but, you know, the cops quickly then raided and uh, cops slash aliens in disguise raided and took <laughs> care of them. But did they have a name? Do you guys know? I don't remember been a while since i've seen it but i don't remember them having a name i don't think they did i just think like as quick as he was starting to stumble on it and got his hands on a pair of those glasses is when they got raided and all uh taken away but damn what a good movie how creepy yeah, yeah i love cool. keith keith david and roddy piper and that it's it's yeah. awesome that fight yeah. in the alley. I mean, it's come up several times on the show, but it just <laughs> talk about another thing that screws up my YouTube algorithms. I've watched that one quite yeah. a bit too. <laughs> the ending freaking pissed me off, but you know, it was a good ending, yeah. I guess. I mean, I understand, but at the same time, it was how else is it going to end? You know, I mean, they yeah. kind of have to die. And, and uh, 
a world full of these aliens and they're just two dudes who I don't just gunning their way to the top of that that building. I don't know. There was no yeah. way out. That was a one way no. ticket. <laughs> that stinks because it works in every other movie usually. Yeah. <laughs> but all those other movies probably don't get talked about as much as they lived, right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That brings us back around to Randy. Uh, so for my next pick, uh, I'm going to throw out the uh, Lin Kuei from the uh, Mortal Kombat series. So that's the uh, the secret group of assassins where you get like the original Sub-Zero slash Noob Saibot, younger Sub-Zero, all the robot ninjas and stuff like that. So they've just kind of always been this eponymous, um, eponymous? Uh, anonymous kind of group that were <laughs> kind of throwing out some pretty heavy hitters. And uh, yeah, just always kind of love the ninjas that were coming out of that and love those characters and don't forget whole- smoke smoke yes smoke and uh yeah their whole run. you've played mortal Kombat, haven't you Is it, not since i was a kid man i mean okay like, like when the <laughs> first ones were coming out but yeah i haven't kept up don't feel bad because i'm pretty much the same there i'm just getting into mortal Kombat one at least the story and holy shit the, the new one really good yeah it's really freaking good so they like totally rebooted it and i love the story in the new one they're the lin Kuei are more like uh guardians of the earth now instead of like just assassins out for the highest bidder but uh yeah it just the the story for the new mortal Kombat game is freaking awesome i was gonna get it for the switch until i saw how shitty the graphics were i'm like yeah "Eh, maybe i'll get that on pc (laughs) (laughs) i like that new uh word you just put in my uh in my dictionary eponymous Eponymous. well (laughs) you know what i'm here for guys making up shit you could also (laughs) make it cool and say hip eponymous <laughs> that's when you want to remain anonymous but be cool at the same time. <laughs> really? That's that's the part of Jack's audio that decided to come through. Okay. <laughs> uh, don't use my name, guys. I would like to remain eponymous. But I'm very cool. So just Oh, never living this down. <laughs> the hippest eponymous person you ever know. <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. That brings us back around to Nick. So, yeah, my second was going to be Kingsman, but I'll go for my, my backup, which is The Hand. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Just because I'm obviously watch, I'm watching Daredevil at the moment for our podcast. And um, and every time I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, The Hand are in this. And they're awesome. And, yeah, just... Yeah. They're just so cool as well, like ninjas. And just, yeah, they, they perfectly suit Daredevil as well, I think. Is that, like... It feels like Daredevil needed like a hidden ninja. That's yeah. just what it feels like. Their big villain should always just be. So yeah, the hand just—they're just so damn cool. And, and it's a, a reference to kind of gets the links to turtles as well, right? Yep, yep you beat me a, to it. Always goes there. That's where I was going to. <laughs> the hand and the foot. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, I was going to bring up the turtles, but it's a bit uh, self-gratifying, I think, at this point to. <laughs> I, think it's, I mean, everyone knows where my mind's at at this point, so I'll, I'll just leave it to their imagination. That was a good pick. And that brings us back over to Jack. My, I just happened to watch this last night. Uh, the BRPD, or BPRD, from Hellboy. Oh, wow. Oh, which Hellboy did you watch? The OG or the... Yeah, the OG the first one. With Ron Perlman. Yep. I love those and, movies. And They're so not, fun. And not, uh, what's his name? Oh shoot! What the fuck? Hopper, 
No, uh, that plays blue. Plays blue. And the second one, yeah. Abe Sapien. Oh. Oh. Okay. Doug uh, Jones. Doug Jones. That's it. God, why? Yeah. I can't believe I blanked on his name. <laughs> I kept just wanting to say the creature from Shaping the Water, but I was like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, he's not called the creature. <laughs> Yeah, that was, those are good films. I still enjoy them, even though they, you know, they have their problems and they're a little dated here and there. But they're just so good. The newer one was, was cool, but um, I found more problems with that one than I did the those original two. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I have not seen the new one yet. Is that does that have like Ape Sapien and kind of those other characters, or is it just Hellboy? It's, it's just Hellboy. Just Hellboy. Is it's it? like right. I think it was like an origin, right? Got it. Pretty much. There's a. The uh, extended scene at the end of the credits that looks like they were trying to bring Abe in, but mm. it'll probably never see the light of day. And mind you, it's been like completely rebooted now as well, hasn't it? There's yeah. like a new Hellboy film coming out like next year or something. Oh, is there another one really? I didn't know about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw, I think it was Mike Minola was talking about it, and they completely like shot it all, I think, pre Rises Strike, pre Sag Strike, and everything. So it is done mm. as far as I know. We just have to wait for this strike yeah. to settle before we can see it. Yeah. Man, that sucks. There's so Same many thing. good things that are, you know, just sitting there waiting to be released, but aren't going to be because of this strike and stuff. We're about to hit well, the spell. Yeah. I loved it in the movie with the, like, he was the head of the FBI and he's on a, like a talk show and they're trying to, you know, say, oh, yeah, there's this Hellboy and you, the FBI is running this secret, you know, branch of the FBI. And he's just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Why are these pictures that people always get always blurry? He's like, there is no such thing. Just keeping it on, trying to keep it on the down low, even though Hellboy's out running rampant, showing himself. Yeah, I love that. I love that actor too. Yeah, yeah. I forget his name. <laughs> from the from the reboot Hellboy, you mean? No, from the the OG one. He Ron was the Perlman. dad. No, no, the the FBI, the leader of the FBI, FBI. <clears throat> the bald guy with the, I forget oh. what else he's been in, but he's Wasn't been in he? so much. Wasn't he in that? One with uh oh, shoot, I can't. I'm blanking on all these shows. Uh, he's one of those actors where you like know him from a bunch of stuff. You just he's can't from a series remember. or a movie. I can't remember which. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that almost got over my head. It took me a second, but I caught it. I caught it. <laughs> you know, just to, you know, saying that the newer Hellboy, the Hellboy reboot has more problems than the original doesn't mean it's not a good film i still thoroughly enjoyed it there were just things that i remember a scene where he like gets thrown against a tree and like you Find see those whole, giants yeah the, yeah the whole tree just kind of wobbles like rubber like it does there's it's like that's not how a tree reacts unless it's a rubber tree i guess but i don't even think that would uh react that way you know does rubber come nope. from a tree or what where does rubber come from it, yeah rubber it does trees. yeah Okay. But it's kind of the same process as they make maple syrup, so it's yeah. it's still a it's still a hardwood tree. <laughs> it's not a tree you can just walk up to and boing. Not boing like a fucking on. pool noodle, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they if certainly you take, were in that movie. If you take both Hellboys, the OG and the the new one, and put them side by side and do a comparison to the comic, I think the new one he actually looked more like the comic. Oh yeah, mm. the makeup yeah. was great. Yeah. And Hopper was really good as him too, being disgruntled yeah. and stuff like that. You know, he's good I just that. love the visual from both of those films when he gets his big horns and then that little flame of fire is just like hover, or and that little crown. crown of fire is like hovering. Oh my God, that is so beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. All right. Um, how about the Men in Black? Now, obviously, mm -hmm. these are um, 
films we all know and grew up with. Uh, the first one, I think, is probably the best. Uh, the second one is, uh, the third one was cool. Did you? Get, did anyone see the fourth one? The is that the international? International. I watched yeah. some of it. Was it any good? No, I didn't think so. Valkyrie yeah. and Thor just don't work as men and people, <laughs> persons in black. Yeah. Don't forget about the uh, cartoon series too. I, I don't think I ever Ooh. watched it, so I naturally forgot about it. But I mean, it was, was, was it, it was all right. It was all right. The uh, the intro was pretty badass. Had some like alternative music to it, and I I feel like it was pretty good. Hmm. I mean, was that a WB uh, cartoon? I feel like it was. I want to say it was. Have, you were shaking your head, Nick. Have you seen the the animated series? I know the animated series. I think I might have watched it when I was younger. Um, okay okay i can't really recall anything about it but yeah the, the thing i was shaking my head to was the the men in black international it was, that was terrible gotcha fair <laughs> <laughs> no thing i always hated about movies that go to cartoons is usually after the movie whatever big issue is taken care of and then the cartoon comes out and they're still kind of taking care of that same problem yeah it was like men in black they finished everything everything was on quiet and stuff and it was a good ending and then all of a sudden you come back and they're still fighting i mean i guess for men in black i guess it would always be the same because there would still be aliens out yeah there's always an alien and hijinks yeah yeah i want to say it was more like it's it's been a minute since i've seen the 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 animated series but i feel like it was kind of like an x-files thing where it was like a different monster every week or a different alien every week right like a ghostbusters kind of a thing kind of yeah i would love to see this week (laughs) well done (laughs) (laughs) i would love to see though a um men in black film that is not driven to be a silly comedy. One that is actually like a serious, like uh, action thriller kind of a film. That would be really cool. You would hmm. probably not have to have Will Smith in it then. <laughs> no. <laughs> After that smack, I don't want to see him in anything. Yeah. <laughs> Unless he's just smacking all the aliens. <laughs> just, just open hand slapping everyone. <laughs> If they were, <laughs> that would be funny though. If they did another one with him and it, they stage it so that like Chris Rock, some kind of alien or something, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that could be a really, really good movie to you know take the, a serious look at the MIB because you know they're said to exist. You know, that's another conspiracy theory, right? That the MIB are and in black. Thing. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was the cool thing with the the movies because you always heard about ooh the Men in Black and stuff, and then you see a movie that kind of shows how they work and that it actually i guess could be real even that little brain flashy thingy the the real ones are a lot more nefarious than tommy lee jones and will smith yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. maybe the actual mib put that move those movies together like secretly to make everyone think ah yeah right to take people's attention away from it when actually they're really watching us they're listening to us right now they just bust in someone at my door. door. <laughs> <laughs> SWAT comes through the window. You see this? Just see this bright flash, and Jeremy's just sitting there. <laughs> Who are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, any other uh, last-minute picks? We have to get off our chest. No. All right. This cat is using the desk as a jungle gym while I'm recording. That's fun. <laughs> but okay. Well, before I had we... one last one. I okay, didn't realize we were ending in the segment. Uh, John Wick. 
that whole underground yes. assassin oh yeah, field. yeah. Mm-hmm. that's one thing that every time i watch it i'm just like this is so nuts how how it works and that they're all i don't know not so much gentlemanly but they are a gang that respect each other but if the job comes down to it then i mean you get called out you're dead don't they call it like council or something like that table or something isn't it yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. such a cool name as well every time i see john wick and they're like oh the table are doing this i'm like that is really cool but that's their name is the table yeah yeah okay i didn't know that and they put they just did all, that uh that new series that takes place before John Wick. Yeah. Uh the Continental. That's Continental, right. that's it. Yeah. 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 yeah that's it's a cool. film. I like it. It's a series. It's a series. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm very behind on the John a Wick. A series stuff. based on a movie. Oh, I see what you're doing. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Giving it to Randy one more time. <clears throat> and Jeremy, you want to mess up your algorithm more on John Wick 4. Watch the uh overhead shotgun scene from that that episode. That was it, it it's right along with Kingsman the church scene, I think. It's so freaking good. Okay. Yeah, the, the newest one is the only one I haven't seen. The other ones I've only seen one time though, so I don't like I've always said, I have to watch a movie a few times for it to really sink in. Mm-hmm. I will watch that. All right. Uh, any other picks before we move on? Oh, All right. Good. Well, before we jump to our commercial break, gentlemen, it's time for another episode of Ask Dave. All his dials go to 11. It's Ask Dave. If you had to become the mascot for a fast food chain, which one would it be? And what would your catchphrase be? I would probably say, well, Wendy's has got it. Come get the hot and juicy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you're going to be the new Wendy? I, if I could put on ponytails, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Guys say hot and juicy. You know what they're thinking about. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just want to see you in the red pigtails now. Saying, come and get your hot and juicy. <laughs> and there it is. Another Ask Dave, gentlemen. Come and get your hot and juicy. Pure Talk gold. about a visual. Dave in <laughs> red pigtails, wearing that little blue dress, standing out front, spinning a sign, get your hot and juicy. <clears throat> I think I might just keep driving. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'd probably be hungry for a while after that. <laughs> I might have to either. make that logo come to fruition and throw it on the cover art too. Oh, that could so easily be done. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've already got the perfect picture. Just like a picture and put an animation filter on it so he looks like a cartoon and then that would fit perfectly <laughs> with the pigtails. <laughs> oh, it shall be done. <laughs> All right, we're going to jump to a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we're going to be talking with Nick about Sussex. Stick around. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. All right, we are back from commercial and once again joined by Nick Good. Nick, thank you so much for being here, man. Hope you're having a good time. Thanks for having me. Always love it. Love it. So let's start out just hearing more about this book. I gave a brief overview of it at the very top of the episode, but tell us more about it. Yeah, so um, Sussex is a four-part miniseries. Um, so there's four chapters to it, and it's about a uh, special ops exec officer, I guess he is, uh, called Archie, um, who generally works a desk job, and then he finds out he's being sent on a Jedburg operation into France. And it's a period of France where D-Day's just happened, and they're sort of pushing to liberate Paris. So... In this kind of fictionalized version, I've sort of bent the truth a little bit. Um, that essentially France is quite um, chaotic. Like there's a lot of little things happening around as everybody's trying to clamber for control or whatever. So he finds out he's going to get dropped into to France uh, to disrupt a railway line. And this first kind of chapter uh, is very much just about how he is at home. So it's like before he goes to war, before there's any kind of drama or anything, it's it's the person he is. So it's a kind of slow build kind of thing. Um, but the undercurrent that runs through all of this is that the four chapters uh, are essentially a journey through mental health. Um, so it's sort of based on my own kind of personal experience and struggles with mental, mental health. And um, the second or third page of the book, uh, where it says 1944, it says before, after it. And the before very much represents for Archie before the war and for the mental health struggles, it's before anything happens. Because I think when you go through something like that, after all of it, you're a completely changed person. Like something has happened that has changed your view and your outcomes and how you kind of envision the world. And so, yes, the four chapters are kind of peppered with um, my mental health experiences. So then what was it that made you decide that you know you you've had these experiences with mental health what made you decide that this is what you wanted to base this comic on or that you wanted to base a comic around your experiences um so there's a couple of things actually so so i'm somebody who i hate writing about myself i just can't uh, i really appreciate people who can do it but i just i can't write about myself i don't find it particularly interesting so um so yeah so sussex sort of started as like an idea maybe like seven years ago i think it was now oh wow um and i was going through some like really kind of struggling with like depression anxiety and stuff and i was having these days where i'd sort of just go out the house and i'd look for like anything to do um that i hadn't done before it was like something where it would completely distract me and uh and one of the places i ended up was uh bletchley park which is um, it's like home to the Codebreakers. So it's um, where like Alan Turing and where they broke Enigma and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And when I was walking around there, it was like a really rainy day and like the park is beautiful. It's like these, just like these huts and greenery and there's like a little lake thing. And it was like complete opposite of what I thought it would be. 
And I was sort of walking around it with a lot of like anxiety and depression in my head and just reading about these stories and these code breakers, like doing this amazing thing in the shadows and sort of really sort of changing the tides of war a little bit, just sort of like started to click something in me where I was just like, I can't ever imagine being in that position with anxiety or depression. And back then it wasn't something that you could kind of um, get diagnosed and get medication for or get therapy or whatever. It was kind of like, you just sort of internalized it. And I was just like, I can't, those things just didn't gel. I was like, I don't know how you'd ever do it. I would just crumble on day one if they were like, right, you've got to crack this thing. Otherwise this really bad thing is going to happen to a lot of people. I feel like I'm the wrong person. Um, (laughs) So yeah, so so that sort of stuck with me for a while where it it was just that concept of of the two together. And then um, a few years ago, I did a creative writing course. And when I was on that, it was just a real kind of like melting pot food ideas and stuff and this idea just sort of fell into my head where i was just like oh what if it's about a person who was in the special ops exec which is sort of the beginning of like mi6 um like fleming was part of um the special ops execs and the good for me and also bad for me a lot of the sort of historical detail of the soe um is is a bit hard to find because they burnt everything after the war they've oh, just com- completely like eradicated it so it's good for me in the sense that i can kind of create and, and kind of bend things a little bit uh but also hard for me where it's kind of like okay i need to know some details and stuff so sure. um so it's a really interesting kind of research process for that and once i kind of had this idea that i was like it's going to be about somebody in the soe and their experiences it was then just a kind of how do i weave in the experiences that i've had of mental health like what is it about my version um because everybody struggles in different ways. And I was trying to like pinpoint, you know, what is it that is in my head when I'm in my worst kind of moments? And so then it was kind of like taking a look at that and trying to weave that into the narrative, um, which is kind of why it does it all over the four issues. It was very much kind of like, I don't want to do it in one single issue. It was kind of like, for me, my anxiety builds and builds and builds. And then it sort of crescendos into this really awful thing. Um, And then there's kind of an after period to that as well. And that's kind of what this book is, is that it's, it sort of takes you through that journey of that. So, yeah, the idea sort of um, has been in my head for yeah a while, and it only recently sort of manifested into what the the script is and what the book ended up being. Yeah. So it's not simply just um, you know your experiences with mental health being the catalyst for the story. I mean, it, it almost kind of sounds like one that it was a way for you to deal with what you were going through, a way for, to you know not put it behind you, but again deal with it. And two that it uh, could also be a tool for somebody experiencing the same things uh, you were going through. Yeah, definitely. There's there's always an element of it that whenever you kind of write something that is very personal, whether it's like love or mental health or whatever, um, but like one single line can kind of grab somebody and they'll be like, oh, that that is what I relate to and that's kind of it. And so for me, like there are a couple of lines in this where I'm like, that is exactly what my anxiety is. And, and if somebody connects to that, that'll be quite interesting to kind of see. And in terms of me kind of, finding a way to sort of like put it on paper and put it behind me a little bit. That's quite the inter- like an interesting thing to to look at because it's one of those things where for me, writing it down makes it all the more real. But the experiences I was having seven years ago seem like really alien to me. I always describe it as it's like, it feels like a different person altogether. Like it feels like the, when I was going through that and the decisions I was making and the things I was doing, I was like, I can't imagine doing those today because that just seems really odd and strange and 
And that's kind of where the um, the before and after thing came from that I was talking about is that it was kind of like I'm very aware that now that I've gone through a lot of those, that that is my history and that's what I went through. Um, but looking back, it's like that is a different version of me kind of thing. So, yeah, so it, it was quite an interesting process just to dig into that and, and sort of look at, you know, what I was going through and try to remind myself of what I was feeling to then to write that in. I mean, I can totally uh, relate to that. I've, you know, and I'm sure everyone here can, you know, at a point in our life, we go through something so big that, you know, we can't get our head around and puts us in a place we've never been. And like you were saying, you seem, uh, you, you look back and you're like, I can't believe that was me. I can't believe I decided to do this, do that. It's, it's a, it's a crazy mm -hmm. thing, but you know, kind of a important part of life too. I don't think we would uh, all be who we are today if we didn't have those moments or we'd be exactly who we were 20 years ago, yeah. which is <clears throat> sounds sure. even scarier. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's very much kind of what it is as well is that there's a narration that runs through this book. Um, it'll do it through all four chapters. Uh, and the narration sort of taking place after the war. And that was me essentially doing the same. It was kind of like, if I could narrate myself back then, it's it's like, this is the kind of thing I'd be thinking and feeling. This is kind of me looking back at it. Um, right. and, and from like a creative writing point of view, it allows you to do some really interesting things with like unreliable narrators in terms of, you know, what's to be believed and what's your kind of mind telling you you were doing or whatever. So it is quite a, yeah, just an interesting thing to play with, I think. And to, to, to kind of like really kind of look back on it as well. It's always just a, it's cathartic in some ways to kind of, assess it i guess rather than just like completely shut it off and go like that's no longer happening there is almost like a cathartic kind of nature to it where you just kind of like okay can i can i process what that was and what i was going through and um yeah it was it was very un, un, unreal i guess is kind of the thing i hadn't quite written a book like it where it was just very yeah just focused on the these kind of themes and stuff right. i think it's still got the same kind of like pop culture rhythm running through it that i like to kind of like imbue with it it's, it's still got a bit of a kind of me in it but there's a there's another side of, of me in it now as well that's cool man it's awesome and i would imagine Thanks. that um with that being the case that the way it's portrayed you know visually was uh had to be handled very carefully and you know the artwork in this book is fantastic i haven't seen anything like it in any of your other works and it was uh alvaro uh, molina is that correct I say yeah. that right? Yeah. I always butcher names, yeah. so I just got to be sure. Can you uh, talk <laughs> you about it. the uh, procedure of finding Alvaro? Basically, when I wrote it, I didn't have a uh, an art style in mind. I always kind of felt like when I saw it, I would kind of know that that's the right fit. And one day, it was just I was literally browsing Instagram, and uh, an Alvaro's art popped up, and I was like, "That's awesome!" I think he'd done like a poster for Alien, like a fan poster, and I was like, "That just looks sick." And uh, and so I messaged him and just said, hey, I don't know if you're interested in comic books at all, but I've got this story. And and so we messaged back and forth and we had a, a little chat and stuff. And uh, and we were both very much on the same wavelength in terms of comics we really liked and stories we were into. And, and he read the script and loved it. And then we sort of just got to work. It was a pretty natural process in terms of getting there. And then, yeah, we did, uh, we did like a pitch. So we did like the first seven or eight pages, I think it was. And we sent it off to a bunch of places and foreign press comics guys who are publishing at the moment were the the ones that sort of grabbed us and um and we felt like we sort of suited their their lineup and uh and then when we got working on the actual thing i was speaking to avaro and he said oh i'm just going to change the color palette kind of all together um and that's when he started adding in like more vibrant colors and the kind of like stuff that jumps out a bit more 
And right. that was like, whoa, like this is really, really cool now. And and a lot of it was because obviously Alvaro knows what's kind of coming in these these next few chapters. And he was like, when we get there, these colors are really going to work for those situations. So it's kind of quite interesting that he was kind of viewing it as this whole four thing. And it's it's kind of you're trying to tie it all together with VR. Um so they did change from like pitch to this. That was really interesting. And primarily it was just because of he kind of got there and was like, I think I know what to do when we get to this thing in this chapter. Um, which is cool to work with somebody that's got such like foresight on it as well. Right. Um, especially given I haven't like written the scripts, I've written an outline. So like he's even further ahead than I am in terms of knowing what that's going to look like. That's got to be a um, rare relationship, I would imagine. Uh, I mean, not that you can't, you know, have a good relationship with an artist, but one who, you know, is seeing your vision clearly and is thinking, you know, in and outside and around the same box that you're working within. And I've got to say the the art style in these books, in, in like in the backgrounds especially, I'm sure there's a term for it and I don't know it. Maybe you do, Nick. But uh like the old like the old comics that are like done with like the dots, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's uh I think it's called halftone. I think that's what it's called. And the only reason I know that is that Alvaro was saying, because um when I was doing the lettering, I lettered off of the inks first. And then just sort of place them on top of the, the colors when they came in. And the only reason I know about it is because he said, oh, I'm applying a half tone like manually to all the pages and stuff. So I think it was a lot of work to apply that. But that, again, sort of adds to this feel of it being not slightly surreal, but sort of in the world where we are like bending truth a little bit. It's like you can kind of see that it is very much wartime England and it'll be wartime France. But with the half tone and his colors and stuff, it's kind of like reality is just bending as such. Yeah, so that was cool. It's gorgeous. Can't recommend uh, enough for people to check it out, which they can check out now on Kickstarter. Again, running till November 2nd uh, for Chapter 1. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, what backers will get as rewards? Yes, there's there's a whole host of stuff. Um, at the moment, we've still got a couple left on the... You can basically get a print of yourself in 40s decor, like looking like oh, a nice. gentleman of the 40s. Uh, so we've got that. We've got a variant cover, which is by an artist called Tim Catherall, which is awesome. Um, I was really fortunate to be able to like, yeah, work with him and Warren Press just reached out to him to see if he'd be able to do a variant cover and that looked really cool and suited our story so well. Um, so you get a variant cover. Um, and there's also, for anybody who's like a sort of budding writer out there or trying to get into the indie comics, whatever, uh, Foreign Press have got a tier as well where you can back the book and you'll get like editing services through Foreign Press. Oh, um, wow. So they can kind of work their own story and stuff. So, yeah. And I believe in the last like day or so, they've also added in that like their entire back catalogue from Foreign Press is available as an add-on as well um, at a reduced rate. So if there are other books there, grab those. So that's quite a bit on offer. It's quite cool. I yeah. would say so. That's yeah. a very generous reward tier. Wow. That's what you call incentive. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, very good, man. Uh, again, we're going to put links up to direct people over there to uh, back the project. Um, not that I think we'll have to convince them too much once they get their eyes on it. I think uh, I think it's going to be a natural decision. But uh, I wanted to also talk about Consistently Okay Pod. I've had the pleasure of being on a few times. It's always a great time. It's a great show. Uh, how are things with the podcast? It's good, yeah. We, uh, we started our fourth season uh, about a month ago now, I think, probably mm -hmm. six weeks. Uh, and we've joined up with a wonderful pop culture website in the UK called Get Your Comic On, 
um they cover like everything movies games tv shows they're they're all over the place they're they're awesome but yeah we sort of exist under this one land of pop culture and so we joined them and so anybody who doesn't know we do these in-depths where in our second season we covered all the batman films leading up to the release of the batman mm-hmm. our third season we covered all the kevin smith view askew films and this season we're doing daredevil season one which was once a netflix oh, nice. show and now disney plus show and so yeah so we're two episodes into it um we've hit a bit of a break while luke and his family just do the round of colds because it's cold and flu season yeah so, oh yeah yeah so yeah so we took a bit of a break just to, to kind of get that but i'm excited to jump into it and yeah any of you guys are always welcome if there's ever an episode of daredevil just i will definitely know. be there man i just i was i meant to get uh my pick to you sooner but you know how life is so but we're going right. to make it happen we will yeah it's 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 a lot of fun i always enjoy it and our in-depths are always fairly uh relaxed as well we was talking about it just before we started our season four whether in-depth was the right word because we don't kind of like go into like every minute detail but i said it just sort of works because like we talk about it we go into the story we talk about where they're sort of drawing from and yeah it's a lot of fun i always enjoy it i had a hell of a lot of fun well every time i've been on but with the clerks two uh episode that was (laughs) so much fun to uh sit and dissect a movie that I've loved so much for years with people who love it just as much, you know? Yeah. That's, that's always our thing is like the hope is that if, you know, we have a guest, they just come on and it's just a fun little chat about something you love. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it's always very chilled. That's our aim. Success, man. Success. Thanks. Thanks. And uh, I recommend to Randy and Jack, you guys should uh, jump on there too. I think you guys would be very, oh, yeah. very useful and consistently okay. Yeah, I can make all kinds of words up for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I can have technical difficulties. Yeah, and remain eponymous. Yep. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh man well I, I once again recommend to the listeners which you know we're going to have links for uh, both consistently okay pod and for uh, the kickstarter uh, for sussex chapter one once again running till november 2nd best of luck to you nick and thank you so much for being here today you're always welcome you guys are always welcome thanks. here anytime you want thanks so much i really appreciate it. i always love to jump on this it's uh yeah and it's it's the first podcast i've done to like promote this as well so it's nice that i'm starting with you guys I like nice, yeah. <laughs> I dig that. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And Jack, what do we have on the website, sir? Go to CandairPodcast.com where you can listen, like, follow, subscribe us on all our social medias in the podcast player of choice. Choice. Of course. <laughs> and there's another new word. <laughs> yeah. When you're not too sure of what it is. Become a patron and get some merch. And if you'd like to get a hold of us and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And once again, don't forget to find us on X or Twitter. Can I just keep calling it Twitter? I hate the X bullshit. Everybody knows. Yeah, just okay. fuck it. Call it Twitter. Find us on Twitter at Canned Air Pod, on Instagram at Canned underscore Air, and TikTok at Canned Air Podcast. Just put some uh, cool stuff up from a show I went to Friday night, the Animaniacs in concert with uh, Rob Paulson, Maurice LaMarche, and Randy Rogel. My God, it was so much fun, guys. I can't wait to tell you about it, but that's also going to be uh, for a future episode. So got to keep my lips sealed uh, ah. for the time being. I, I put stuff on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, uh, TikTok. So, yeah, check that out to see this footage I got. And uh, what else am I forgetting? Boy, I'm unprepared. I haven't done an episode like this in a long time, man. <laughs> no matter how you want to support us, if on Patreon or just however you're listening to us, give us you know a like, a, a rating, a review, any little bit helps. That um, 
huge shout out to Evergreen Podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you're going to be in the Columbus area uh, here in a few weeks, November uh, 11th and 12th, come hang out with us at the Tour Gaming Expo. Get your game on. Yeah, all the all the merch we're going to have and uh, shaking hands, uh, kissing your babies, all that kind of stuff. Come out and say hi. We want to meet you guys. We really do. Last year was so much fun getting to meet the people that came by and made themselves known. And I'm sure there are people who came by who just didn't say, hey, I listened to your show. You know, just kind of maybe check this out and moved on. Don't do that. Let us know who you are, people. We want to shake your hand. We want to say hi. We want to Randy's know why you like us because we don't get it. What? Uh, yeah. Randy's intimidating. I don't know what language he's speaking. It sounds like English, but those that, words aren't English. That Hardenbrook guy looks like he's going to kick my ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yes, uh, once again, the Torg uh, Gaming Expo, November 11th and 12th. Uh, I, I need to look up that website right now. I believe it's Torg Gaming Events, correct? Torg uh, Events. TorgEvents.com. Yes, yeah. there it is. So uh, anything else, gentlemen? I think that's it. We got the Halloween episode right around the corner. It might be posting the week after this one. I'm not sure exactly when this, a week or two after this goes up. So uh, keep an eye out. We'll definitely make it known on our social media. So excited yeah. for that. It was a lot of fun. But I think that's going to do it, unless I'm forgetting anything. Oh, I think that's it. it. All right. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. I'm Nick Good. Thank you so much for listening, everyone, and be excellent to each other. are mean, so I'm running away from home. Where are you gonna go? I don't know yet, but that'll show them. <laughs> it sure will. Shipwreck! Parents just don't understand, and it gets lonely on the road, so be sure to listen to the Candare podcast. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. This has been a Candare production. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.